0: Hello and welcome to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan and in this Superbrain booster shot, I shall do my very best to explain what the science says about the impact that the internet and social media, screen time, etc. is having on our brains. Thank you so much for sending in questions in response to my call out in Monday's episode, which was sponsored by Science Foundation Ireland to celebrate Science Week. Now, a lot of what we hear about the negative impact of the Internet and digital devices, etc., comes from what we would call observational knowledge. So what do I mean by that? Well, for example, teachers describe the current generation of students as... 87% 87% of them say that students are more easily distracted and that they have shorter attention spans. 88% say that they have fundamentally different cognitive skills because of the digital technologies that their students have grown up with. It's currently unclear whether objective scientific research actually supports these everyday observations. And the research around the internet and its use, etc., is fraught with methodological issues So, for example, most of the current scientific evidence for a negative relationship between digital technology and adolescent well-being is largely based on what we'd call secondary analysis of large-scale social data sets. So, what this means is that the data was collected without this particular research in mind. That is, the studies were not specifically designed to answer these questions. And so, as a consequence, they're not as rigidly controlled as if the studies were set up specifically to answer these questions. Also, the internet has only been in the public domain for 30 years. We only have smartphones since about 2007. So that's a relatively sort of short period of time. And as I raised the point in Monday's episode, the internet and all these digital technologies were just allowed to into our world and we're allowed to be sold and consumed without any prior research into the impact that they might have on our physical, mental, brain health or our overall well-being. So kind of research is being done retrospectively and also the technology itself is so broad, so varied and it is just the speed at which it's changing is phenomenal. We've never encountered anything like it, and it makes doing really rigidly controlled studies very, very challenging. A lot of the research, for example, just looks at internet use, and it doesn't take account of different types of use, duration, different devices. Much of the research simply looks at the impact of screen time or internet use, But as all of you know, listening, not all screen time or internet use is the same. Some types are more likely to be beneficial than others. It can be used for information gathering. It can be used for entertainment, some of it passive, some of it active, some of it challenging, so benefiting the brain. Some gaming requires skills and strategies. Others, you know, are around violence. The internet can be used for reading, for listening to music, but also for creating music, for watching TV, for actively communicating, for writing. You know, that's a cognitively challenging act, but then also for just scrolling mindlessly through information is for social media um, you know so it's very nuanced and some aspects of internet use may have positive effects and some negative and whilst the kind of research that I spoke about, the retrospective type of research is valuable, there is potential for false positive and for conflicting results, which really in a way can be very unhelpful. So, going back to Monday's episodes and I, you know, I put out a call and I said, please, you know, send in your questions, concerns, comments, etc. Uh, thank you so much for sending them in. I'm not going to be able to respond to all of them in this short podcast, but don't worry, you've given me lots of food for thought, so if I don't get to your question, I definitely will at some point in the future. So what I've actually done is I've kind of grouped together a few questions. There was a few common themes emerged and I'm going to kind of cover those in today's episode. So anyway, in Monday's episode, author Sinead Moriarty expressed her concern about how much time her kids spent in front of a screen. Now, that concern has somewhat escalated for, for many parents now that we're all spending even more time looking at screens due to lockdown and social distancing measures. So several listeners asked how much screen time they should allow their very young kids to have. Well the research in this area really is quite limited and as I said already smartphones only emerged in 2007 and you do see I think I've mentioned it before it is something that upsets me when I would go out to restaurants (laughs) in that time before social distancing it would really upset me to see babies in high chairs with smartphones or with iPads that kind of technology in front of them. Anyway the research is somewhat limited still but nonetheless the World Health Health Organization and the American Academy of Pediatrics have issued some recommended guidelines. They recommend no screen time for kids from 18 to 24 months. And I would assume that would mean from 0 to 18 months also. And then for two to five year olds, they recommend an hour or less. And that is with the exception of video chatting, which needs to be done with an adult present. Otherwise, in the very young children, those under two, it's meaningless to them. They will struggle. to understand what's going on. Data from the US indicates that children currently under the age of two are averaging three and a half hours per day. That means averaging, so that means that some kids under two are having a lot more time than that and some obviously less. That's rather scary. And that has jumped up from one hour and 19 minutes in 1997. Obviously, back in 1997 that was just about when the internet exploded, so kids would have been watching TV at at that point in time. In an Irish study, 85% of children under 24 months were found to watch two hours of TV per day. You know, it's a really, really critical time for development. Those very, very early years after birth are hugely important. And so kids really, really need face-to-face interaction with parents and with other children to encourage their developments. And in Ireland, yes, another study showed that kids from age zero to five are using touch screens for about 79 minutes per day. And research shows that the more time that kids spend on screen at age 24 months and 36 months is linked, negatively linked to poorer cognitive and social development. A recent study in the United States showed that 8 to 12 year olds use screens for entertainment for four and three quarter hours per day. And that doesn't count the time that they would spend on screen doing homework or schoolwork. And 13 to 18 year olds spend a staggering seven hours and 22 minutes per day using screens for entertainment. And again, their schoolwork and homework would be in addition to that. Oh, my God, that's kind of really incredible, especially in light of the fact that what research shows is that eight to 11 year olds who exceed recommended screen time perform lower on cognitive assessments. And a combination of excessive screen time and poor sleep is associated with increased impulsivity and screen time and sleep. Are interrelated. If kids are using screen time, blue screens before they go to sleep, it's going to interfere with their sleep. If they're staying up late to interact with their screens, that's going to impact on their sleep. We know there's also been, you know, an incredible decline in the number of hours of sleep that adults and kids have been getting since the 1980s. Teens who do an hour of physical exercise a day and sleep between eight to 10 hours have the best mental health. So physical exercise is critical and important. And that's one of the reasons why excessive screen time is detrimental, because it's time that could and was in the past spent out playing games that involved physical exercise. When it comes to adolescent physical and mental health and screen time, there is what we call an inverted U-shaped relationships. So basically, moderate users are the best off. So too much screen time is not good for physical and mental health in adolescents, but too little screen time is not good for their mental or physical health either.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.
0: Now, some other people asked whether, you know, and I mentioned earlier that a lot of the studies just look at screen time and they don't distinguish between what is being consumed or whether the activities are creative and challenging that are happening during that screen time and we need more scientific research to support that but a few people have asked if your kids are using screen time or tv time any type of screen time to watch educational programs is that different are they beneficial the truth of the matter is that children under the age of two don't learn from screens as well as they learn from live interactions. So until the age of three, children sort of view video screens as irrelevant to real life. Several studies show that, and, and this is kind of interesting the way that these studies were done, but several of them show that when toddlers are shown a video of someone hiding something in the room next door, those children are then terrible at finding that toy when they enter the real room. However, toddlers who watched the same video on a screen that has been disguised to look like a window, they do much better at finding the toy. So essentially, they're willing to take the information in when they're told it's real, when they're told that that's looking through a window. They could then make the connection and go find the toy that was hidden in the other room. So, in videos that are designed to teach toddlers new words, only the kids whose parents participated alongside them were able to learn new words from the screen. So, co viewing with your young children is Absolutely critical. You're kidding yourself if you think toddlers will learn from those educational programs on screen if they're left alone to view them on screen. Now, three to five year olds can learn from carefully crafted, slow paced children's media and children from lower socioeconomic backgrounds tend to benefit more from this kind of programming. Having said that, kids of that age, you know, between three and five, they also benefit from co-viewing. So I can hear some of you sighing almost, what is the point if I have to watch the programs with them? Because I know for sure, and I know even parenting myself, you know, that lots of parents use programs like this to free up time, to prep the dinner, to catch up with the housework, to take a shower, to make a phone call. But here's the thing, co-viewing is critical, but it is really just an upfront investment. So really what I mean by that is you kind of scaffold the child's learning. So you co-watch a few episodes with them. You engage with the show with them, you discuss the show with them, and then gradually you step back from that show till eventually they can watch the show on their own, interact with it, learn from it, with you checking in on them and then chatting about the show after they've watched it. So you still can get your free time. Your child can still benefit, but you need to invest in co-watching up front Another study provides interesting insights around watching educational TV and playing educational games. So in a study that compared kids who had no screen time, kids who engaged mostly in educational games and TV viewing, and then also a third group, children who engaged mainly in computer or video games, and they assessed how they performed. And so some of the key findings are that The children who engaged mostly in educational games and TV viewing, they scored significantly lower than other groups in reasoning ability. Kids who engaged in no screen time scored the highest. And then children who engaged mainly in computer or video games scored significantly lower than all other groups in vocabulary development. And children who engaged in more than two hours a day screen time had significantly lower cognitive scores overall than those who engaged in under two hours a day. And these studies took account of their primary caregiver's educational level. So they looked at the parents' education, their employment, their attachment to the kids, siblings. And when they took all those factors into account, there was still a significant impact of the video games. Now, some of you asked whether texting, um, predictive text, use of textees, whether it's impacting on literacy. Research looking at the link between texting and literary outcomes remains relatively mixed and it's really inconclusive. Overall, however, surprisingly, the literature would appear to point towards a neutral, if not positive, association between texting and the literary scores of young people. So looking then at some studies, looking at reading on screen versus actually reading in hard copy in real books. Students said that they preferred and performed better when they were reading on screens, but their actual performance tended to suffer. Students were actually better able to comprehend information in print for text that were more than a page long. So this appears to be related to, you know, that disrupted effect that scrolling has on comprehension. Students overwhelmingly preferred to read digitally, and their reading was significantly faster online than it was in print. Now, the students judged their comprehension as better online than in print. Paradoxically, overall, their comprehension was better for print versus digital reading. The medium didn't matter for general questions. So like understanding the main idea of the text. But when it came to specific questions, comprehension was significantly better when participants read the printed text. So really what you take from that is there's no one size fits all. So you can't make blanket statements like reading on screen is worse or reading in books is better. It really does depend on why you are reading, the purpose that you're reading, what the task is. You know, do you just need to get an overview of the content, the essence of it? Or do you need to have detailed comprehension of the content? So if you just want that overview, then digital reading is better. If you need detailed comprehension, then you need to go to the printed text So on Monday, I spoke a bit about the negative impact that addiction to the Internet and online gaming has on both brain structure and function. And one parent is concerned about excessive use and asked, how would they know if someone was actually addicted? And that's a very, very important question. So the diagnostic criteria tend to include things like preoccupation, so excessive use and with a loss of sense of time. Also mood changes when attempting to stop, so sort of like a withdrawal. Also a tolerance, a sense of tolerance, a need to use more and more internet for increasing amounts of time. Staying on longer than they intended, lying Jeopardizing relationships, um, using the internet or gaming to escape from problems or from um, their own emotions and moods. Internet addiction disorder seems to affect the pleasure centre in the brain. The addictive behaviour triggers a release of dopamine to promote the pleasurable experience, activating the release of this chemical. And over time, more and more of the activity is needed to induce the same pleasurable response. And that then creates a dependency. It's sort of been classified as an impulse control disorder, like an obsessive compulsive disorder, a behavioural addiction. I hope that some of these findings from scientific research will help you make informed decisions. Do remember that research in this area really very much is in its infancy. And all the more reason to echo what I said on Monday, you know, we really need more research and we need to put some guardrails in place to protect ourselves and our children from the introduction of future technologies without doing the equivalent of clinical trials to see what impact they may be having on our children's health, well-being and brain and social development. My name is Sabina Brennan and you have been listening to Brain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. And don't forget, it's Science Week all week. So check out scienceweek.ie. There's lots of fabulous virtual events that you can attend. And I'm sorry, yes, in lockdown, <laughs> that will add to screen time. But remember, co-viewing with your kids can help immensely.